Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecop, three and out podcast. Little under the weather, head cold, I think. Uh, no reason to freak. I'm good. Uh, but just watched Thursday night game that you know. Wasn't the greatest, but I watched for Sam Darnold, and I got what I came for. So we will dive into that off the top. lot going on this week, and I, I reacted to a lot of people coming at me for my different takes over the last month on Teddy Bridgewater, on some of the rookie quarterbacks. Did people think I'm pivoting off my stance? So I have some thoughts on that. Is this the biggest game Matt Stafford has ever played in his career this weekend against Tom Brady? Dive into that. Go all around the league. A lot going on. We got a big Raider game, a Steeler game. Big Ben's injured. Uh, The Giants, are they ever going to win a game? Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. Can't wait for that bad boy. Really, really excited for today's show. And obviously, leave a review. Three and out podcast. If you go to Apple, iTunes, subscribe to the show. Because every week exclusively on Mondays, 
we're reacting to all the games Sundays and then obviously as well as Tuesday and then Friday that you're hearing right now. But let's dive into the game we saw tonight. And I was thinking watching Sam Darnold. And I know Coward is a big Sam Darnold guy, but he's, you know, UC, USC homer. I just root for Sam Darnold because I like the guy and I like the player. And I think the one thing you see tonight is just how much us young people, and I was, I'm not his, as young as him anymore, but anyone coming out of college or anyone in their 20s or hell, even their 30s, like 35 is the new, you know, 28 who's looking for so much stuff is out of your control. We know in pro sports, you don't control who drafts you. Hell, most young people, when they're searching for a job, you kind of like don't have that many options. Most of us are not summa cum laude from some Ivy League school. So when you get offered a job, you take it, especially if it pays decently, right? And then you hope you meet the right people, you get in, you know, the right company, you can grow, or you meet people that go on to run other companies that take you with them. No different than football. You keep your fingers crossed that the right people draft you and then let the chips fall as they may. But when you're young, you like you look back now, I'm 36, like the first probably 10 years of my life post-college were kind of out of my control. I mean, I could control how hard I worked, you know, the effort I put in, how much I listened to the, you know, people around me. But for the most part, I didn't control who I worked for. I just kind of had to go with who'd hire me. And you look at Sam Darnold, like he didn't choose to go to the Jets. Now it's cool getting drafted third overall. And in theory, it's awesome. But if you look back historically at the draft, most times it's the worst teams. I mean, it's always the worst teams, but it's the worst organizations. And the organizations in football can make or break you. And when I say organizations, obviously we're talking the owner, but specifically the coach. And you watch tonight, like think how many people that are listening to this podcast. I'm lucky. The three and out podcast, we got a lot of people listening. If it was not for Colin Coward several years ago, creating this podcast for me, how many people, how many people listening to me right now would know who I am? I would say the number would be really small. Sam Darnold. If Sam Darnold had been drafted by a really good coach, I don't think we would look at Sam Darnold right now like we do. He had to spend his first three years with Adam Gase, and it sucked. It was awful. Adam Gase, one, he's just a weirdo. Two, clearly he is an, he was over his head as an offensive play caller and being the head coach. It was too much for him. It was a disaster. And Sam Darnold, like, he tried his best. He got banged up. He also got mono. You know, it did not go perfectly, but the team was terrible. And as a quarterback, go back to Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning is an all-time outlier. Any team that would have drafted Peyton Manning in 1998, Colts, any franchise, he probably would have turned out to be really good. But I've said it before. He got drafted to a team where his general manager is a Hall of Famer. They already had Marvin Harrison. The following year, they draft Edger and James. Two years later, they sign a coach, Tony Dungy, who is now also in the Hall of Fame. Now, obviously, Peyton helped him out there. But still, Tony Dungy, you know, on his worst day is better than like Adam Gase's best day. So who you surround yourself as a young person is like, it sounds like surround yourself with the right people. But in most people's professional setting, we don't really have that many options. So you look at Sam Darnold. Now he gets with Matt Rule, a guy that Dave Tepper, who paid cash for the Carolina Panthers. Let me repeat that. He paid cash for the Carolina Panthers. Paid it one one payment. Sold like $900 million in Apple stock 
to make up like the $1.2 billion he had already in cash and said, boom, here, NFL, I will take the Panthers now. Goes out immediately and hires Matt Rule, who was very highly thought of. Matt Rule was so highly thought of, was making like $8 million at Baylor. David Tepper gave him like $72 million. And people thought it was crazy. Pretty clear Matt Rule knows what he's doing. And what does Matt Rule do immediately? Gets a really good offensive coordinator in Joe Brady. Looking back, it's aged really well how great he was at LSU. We knew it at the time. Now, like Ed Ogeron, we view as like a terrible coach. So now he has an infrastructure of a head coach who knows what he's doing and a coordinator who is big time, who spent two years as the quality control guy with the Saints, which is essentially the assistant for the head coach, who happened to be the play caller, who happened to be Sean Payton, one of the greatest offensive minds in the modern in the last 20 years in the NFL. So this guy knows what he's doing. And then he goes to a team and knock on wood, hopefully Christian McCaffrey didn't tear his tear his hamstring, which is kind of what it looked like. Uh not good. But he gets Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, who was also banged up at the end of the game, is a stud. They have offensive weapons. So he has help, unlike he did in the Jets, and he has leadership. He has people who know what they're doing that he has to follow. His head coach and his offensive coordinator. And what happens? He looks good. This isn't that complicated of a formula. Most people, even Peyton Manning, can't do it all on their own. They need help, especially at quarterback. Because so much, you need good wide receivers. You need a good offensive line, which Carolina doesn't really have. And you saw tonight. In, in three games this year, Sam Darnold has two 300-yard passing games. In 38 games with the Jets, he had four. Think about that. Like, this is, this is not 1970. This is, he got with the Jets in 2018, 2019, 2020, when the league was full-gone passing. He had th- four 300-yard games. Now through three games, he has two. And you just watch him, you go, yeah, I don't know if this guy's ever going to be a top-five quarterback, Hell, I don't even know if he'll be a consistent top 10 quarterback, but he's definitely a guy you can win with. He's definitely a guy who can help you compete to win a wild card. He's definitely a guy who is very talented. And, you know, given what they gave up, you would take on your team in a heartbeat. I think the Panthers and just NFL fans should be excited that they get a guy who looked like his career was going down the toilet. And now he gets with Matt Rule. Now he gets with Joe Brady. And it kind of feels like, they're going to resurrect his career. Okay, we got a big one this weekend. It's the Los Angeles Rams, who St. Louis is clearly not happy they left because they're in a big lawsuit and they're coming after the league and they're coming after Kroenke against the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we get into the game, uh, there's a pretty big story that came out this week. Tom Brady's guy, Alex Guerrero, who I think was a couple years ago, was made fun of, the guy that was stretching him. Now it's like, you know, you got to give this dude credit. He's helped create a monster. And you can say, well, you know, Tom Brady's the guy giving him all the credit. And and he came out and, you know, essentially said that Bill Belichick refused to treat Tom Brady, you know, like a guy in his 40s. He was treating him like he was still in his 20s. And Coward has always had this theory, and I, and I agree. When you come into a place you know, as a young employee, they never stop looking at you like that young employee, no matter how great you become. Now, there are probably examples where that changes, but I think the problem for Belichick is he did something a certain way and it worked and he had a lot of success. And when you do that, and part of it, right, was coaching Tom Hard, 
holding Tom accountable in front of any, everyone else, treating him, and, and it's been well-documented over the years, that Bill treated Tom no different than he treated a backup linebacker, a practice squad guy, a backup quarterback. And it helps set the tone for the whole organization. And the success speaks for itself. But we're all humans, and when you're on the other side of that, I understand Tom wanting to just be treated a little different. Not put on a pedestal, but like, bro, you don't need to yell at me all the time. Like, I know when I fuck up. I know what has to be done. Like, I I think my resume speaks for itself. And that was ultimately, not that this is any breaking news, a huge part of the rift, right? Tom's like, I'm taking less money. I'm the greatest teammate. I'm producing. What? Like, can you just act a little differently? And I understand where Belichick's coming from because he only knows one way to do it. And it's successful. The problem is if you lose the greatest thing you have in Tom Brady, you looking back, like you probably should have adapted and changed a little bit. I, I see it a lot in the business that I work in. So many of these traditional media companies are just so screwed because they held on to the pot of cash they were making, traditional television, terrestrial radio, and everything changed right in front of their eyes. YouTube started dominating them. Podcast steals more and more of the pot. And now it's like, oh, we got to take podcasts seriously. Well, you've already been lapped. It's late. Like you don't authentically and organically know how to do it. You can force feed it, but you're never going to figure it out. And the difference is all these companies are attempting to change as they should because they realize the money going the opposite way, right? They're like, oh my God, are we going to be around in 5, 10, 20 years? That's why, you know, cord cutting is a great example, right? My, my, my brother told me who uh, was over at my mom's house the other day, all she watches is like Amazon Prime and Netflix. I think their Netflix account is, I, I gave it to, I gave her my account. You know, I'm a, I'm a good son. And he's like, you know, your television, she lives in this big house all by herself with a dog. And he goes, you know, you're paying $350 for TV. Do you even watch Comcast? She's like, yeah, I watch the news sometimes. It's like, well, I can just get you YouTube TV for $59.99 and save you $300. Uh, But ultimately, my point about this is that sometimes things are too late and then it's already over. And you see that in the business world. And Belichick clearly knows that. Now, his team's pretty good right now. And Tom, maybe Tom wanted to get a fresh start. Sometimes in life, you just want to get a fresh start. And it's clearly working out. He's happy. His team's awesome. And he gets, I don't even think he gets treated like a star, right? But he definitely gets treated differently. And they've rolled out the red carpet. And let's face it, all of us in life, when people get divorces, whenever you talk to a friend that gets a divorce or in a bad breakup, and they go out with someone new, how refreshing is it to hear from that person? Like, God, you know, it was cool just to have a relaxed date, have someone that like looked at me like, God, do we really like each other? And it's pretty genuine. Like we're all human beings. And ultimately football is a human being business. And I think when you look at the flip side, Stafford and McVay have a little bit of that going on too. Stafford was just on this terrible team. Sean McVay had resurrected this kind of dead franchise and hated his quarterback. For whatever reason, we haven't truly got on record beside Jared Goff's just not good enough. Just simple, right? He just wasn't good enough. And now we kind of get this test of, you know, two powerhouse, you know, franchises, right? The Tampa's defending champs. The moment that the Rams, like Tampa has to answer zero questions. We know they're elite. Tom Brady's got nine touchdowns. He's on pace to throw more touchdowns in his 40s than his 20s. That is pretty freaking nuts. Now, you got to put it in context. For a large portion of the 2000s, 
The sport was a lot different. His team was built to play defense. Remember, they got Corey Dillon. They ran the ball a lot. Now, they changed a little bit in the later 2000s when they got Randy, when they signed Wes Welker. But like to me, when I think about Tom Brady, I think more 2007 to now than I do that first run, even though he won, you know, what, three or four Super Bowls. I think the guy that has the biggest question to answer is Matt Stafford because he's one of the most polarizing players in the league. People like me, will defend him because I'm told by my friends in the league like how talented he is. I watch Aaron Rodgers for years, pound the table. Like I don't think you guys realize how great this guy is. And then if you just quote-unquote study the tape or just watch a Matt Stafford game with the Lions, even if he lo- even if he lost, you could see the just elite arm strength. He had the, like, kind of this Brett Favre quality, but he was in a Lions uniform. And when I say Brett Favre quality, I don't mean he clearly wasn't winning like that. I just mean his talent, his arm talent, his ability to make these wow throws and factoring in his toughness. Like it's, we'll talk about some of the young quarterbacks later. And you know where I stand on playing young guys early. But when you consistently lose, not on the football field, anything in life, your confidence can go fast and it's hard to build it back up. So his ability to keep his... Now, I know he was making a lot of money, but he finally gets to go to a franchise who's winning. He's now 2-0. People are going to be watching this game. Like, the, the bright lights are on. The defending Super Bowl champs are coming in. And people think you... You know, this is a home game. You should win. Or at least, like, you know, no one is acting like you're some little underdog here. And it's going to be fascinating. In games like this, this season for Matt Stafford, playing Tampa... Obviously, all six divisional games, the two against San Francisco, two against Seattle, and even the two against Arizona. Like, how do you look? How do you play? Because so many people defended you doing, during your career. My, my hand is up in the air. And I'm sure many people listening to this, you know, think Matt Stafford's pretty good. But there's also probably a lot of people listening to this that think Matt Stafford's pretty overrated. He's made like $250 million. He's never won a damn thing. I don't even think he's never won a playoff game. And we can argue all day long. Like, I would argue that no side's really right right now. But these next, this season, and really the next couple, he can kind of create the the truth about his career. See, this is what I would have been on a good team. I think someone DM'd me. I can't remember if it was the Middlecoff mailbag last week. But if you had switched, or maybe it was Tuesday's, Stafford and Rogers' career, what would it have looked like? And it's so hard to tell because Stafford, number one pick, starts immediately. Rodgers got to go to a good team and sit behind, I don't know, a top 10 quarterback of all time. Even though they weren't totally friends, he got to relax. He got to watch. He got three years to improve in practice, change his mechanics. And by the time he got to start, he was like a ready-made pro. You know, most guys, even Patrick Mahomes, who is like the modern day version of Rodgers, only got a year. And actually, he didn't even get a year because remember, he started the 16th game. So I, I think it's it's big for Matt Stafford. Eventually, we get a bottom line with someone's career, right? Polarizing players, you go back and forth, but eventually you you put up or shut up. And he's at the point this season against these big games if he comes out and throws a couple picks and they lose, you go, see, he's got some losing qualities. If he goes out, throws a couple touchdowns, leads, helps lead the team. They're a team. I, you know, the quarterback sometimes lead the team to victory. Well, the defense has to play well. They're playing Tom Brady. They got a ton of weapons, even if Antonio Brown's probably out this week. Uh, I, I just think this is a massive, massive week, and I can't wait to react to this game next week on how Matt Stafford plays in this game. 
The biggest game of week three is Monday night matchup, Eagles at the Cowboys. And FanDuel Sportsbook is making it even bigger because FanDuel is giving new customers 30 to 1 odds on either team to win. That means you can end the NFL weekend right by making $150 on a $5 bet. I'm taking the Eagles in the points. I love their offensive line. I love their defensive line. I love their skill guys and their tight ends, even if Ertz is out against the Cowboys defense. Now, Dak looks like he's playing really well. That offense is awesome. I do not trust the Cowboys defense, though, especially to get pressure against a very, very good Eagles offensive line. I actually think the Eagles are going to win the division. FanDuel sports betting made simple, and they're always hooking you up with great offers. Plus, when you win, you'll get paid in as little as 24 hours. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Just sign up with the promo code Colin this week before Dallas takes on Philadelphia. You could win $150 on a $5 bet. Remember to use the promo code Colin so they know I sent you. And if you are in Michigan, make sure you check out this week's Can't Miss Spread the Love offer on the Michigan vs. Rutgers game, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market, max bonus 150. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com. Colorado, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-N-WITH-IT. Indiana, 1-800-27-717. For confidential help, Minnesota, Tennessee, Redline, 1-800-889-9789. Tennessee, visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia, or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 533-42, Arizona. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on-and-off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Vredestein Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. 
They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Vredestein test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. One, I I guess... uh hill that I was going to die on before the season started was I would start every rookie quarterback. You guys know that uh, my life philosophy taught at the great institution of higher learning, Cal Poly, number one state school, not a UC, but state school, you know, just blue collar kids. Uh, And the motto was learn by doing. And the only way to learn by doing is to actually do, right? You have to do something. A lot of people talk a big game, you know, professors love theories on the whiteboard. I'm a big believer. Dive into the trenches. If you want to start a business, you want to start a podcast, you want to do learn to cook, just start doing it. And through trial and error, you figure it out. Now, some of you learn, you know, you just read a textbook and then that's the way you learn. That's not the way I learn. I learn by actually getting my hands dirty, even though, you know, I work a white collar job now. My hands don't really get dirty anymore. But you know what I mean when I say that. I have to do something to figure out how to ultimately do it. And I think most people uh, learn that way or it definitely improve that way, right? Because you can only talk about something so long and learn through someone else's teachings before you dive into kind of the deep end in any profession. And early on, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson have really struggled. And I've kind of crushed them. Not the players. I crushed the organization. Urban Meyer is clearly a bottom five head coach right now in the NFL. So when you have a bottom five head coach and you have this premium prospect, they did the right thing, named him the starter. But that doesn't mean they're doing right by the player. Last week, Zach Wilson played the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, the greatest defensive coordinator slash defensive mind in the history of the greatest sport in America, the National Football League. 
And he threw four picks. It easily could have been five, right? That, to me, is an organizational failure, not a Zach Wilson failure. Asking him to consistently throw deep. Now, some things are out of your control. When the ball snapped, the coach can't hold the guy's hand. I have no problem with a young player throwing an interception. This week, Justin Fields will start for the Chicago Bears. I had several buddies in the league that were like, you know, even though Nagy's not naming Justin Fields a starter going into the season, he will be starting so fast because that offensive line is so terrible. And I understand that Andy Dalton got hurt kind of in a in a random, innocuous, like it didn't look like a major injury, but he was running. Why? Because their offensive line is terrible. And this week, Justin Fields, it, they are doing the right thing. Let him play. That's the only way to improve in football is by playing. Now, you can improve mental reps in the film room, but to get to, to actually get better, you have to play. And all these guys, you know, now Zach and Trevor and Mac have two games under their belt. Fields just has a little bit of the last game when he got thrown in kind of in, an, you know, I don't want to say an unfair spot, but a, a spot that is, um, you know, not, not advantageous to his success, given that, you know, you never rep with the ones when you're the backup. And this week they're playing Miles Garrett. Their offensive line is awful. And if you're going to ask him to do things like if you keep asking Zach Wilson to throw deeper than 10, 15 yards against the Patriots in that game, he's going to throw interceptions. You're not trying to make the playoffs this year. Ask him to throw, I don't know, just some basic routes, a quick out, a slant. Hell, run the football. Oh, they're down, John. How are they going to come back? Who gives a shit? It's week two. When you ruin a young person's confidence, whether it's football or whether it's it's anything in life, it's hard to get that back. And I see it with Urban Meyer and definitely going on with the Jets. That shit can unravel fast. And then how do you build the player who is your franchise back up? That makes me nervous. And you could argue my philosophy of starting these guys immediately, that's always a risk. Because usually when these guys who are drafted really high, a lot of times they have new coaches because those teams that were drafting really high fired their coach. And clearly Urban Meyer, you know, swimming upstream without a paddle. I think Robert Sala is a defensive guy. LaFleur had never called plays before this season. And it just feels like, God, are they a little over their head? Matt Nagy has a long history now in the league of calling plays. He's been the head coach. This is going on year four. To me, he has to actively, two things. One, wherever Miles Garrett is on the field, an unstoppable force, I would double team him every play. No, If he's moving, my tight end shifting, I would never let him be single blocked because your offensive line is so awful. If he's single blocked, he will kill Justin Fields. Not literally, but figuratively. And, you know, he could injure him. Right, He is a force to be reckoned with. And when your offensive line is as bad as the Bears is, you better account for him every single play. I would implement, go back to Ohio State and go, Justin, what are your 10 favorite plays? They would be in the playbook this week. I would also, because right now, his greatest attribute is going to be his speed. And it, and really, beside Lamar and Kyler, he's the fastest quarterback in the league. He's a 4-4 guy. He can fly. I would implement some Lamar-type place to just get, help five, eight yards. He's going on the road against Cleveland. This, you know, their, their team's good. The place is going to be rocking. They're going to be licking their lips playing a rookie quarterback. If all of a sudden you're down 14 nothing, and then you force him just because coach is getting this mind, like, we got to try to win, and then you start throwing deep, and he throws three or four picks, 
you could put this guy's confidence down in the dumps. And I would actively do everything possible to get easy wins. And when I say easy wins, I just mean moving the ball past the line of scrimmage. Don't ask him to run the same plays as Andy Dalton. Change the playbook. The play should look dramatically different against once we watch this Cleveland Bears game than it has the first two games with Andy Dalton. If it looks the same, that is what I would consider malpractice. That is, listen, Nagy's my guy, and I know several guys on that staff. I haven't talked to him this week, but that that would be that would be a shame. It, it really would. Now it's difficult because a lot of times, beside Mac Jones, who went to a really good team with a really good coaching staff. You notice what they're asking Mac Jones to do? Hand the ball off. Throw, get the ball out of his hand quick. They're asking him to do relatively basic stuff. Now their team is much better and they're equipped to do that. But even if Bill had a terrible team, he would ask the same stuff. He got Cam Newton last year. What did he ask him to do? Run around, you know, play to your player's strength. And you should do that whether the guy's a 21-year-old rookie or whether he's a 35-year-old veteran. And I think too often coaches get in this kind of this uh, bunker mentality, this just in their office by themselves watching tape. Well, this will work. This will work. Well, maybe it won't work for the guy you have playing quarterback. Maybe that's not the right play to call. But they're like, this is what we do. Who cares what you do? What does your player do? So yeah, I always believe in playing these guys. But I have to actively think about how to protect them, how to put them in positions to have success, even if I'm not going to win the game. How do I build up their confidence while I'm losing? And that could just be little wins. That could be, hey man, you created 10 first downs. Hey man, you were you know two for five in the red zone. Those two those two touchdowns you threw were fantastic. You know, you have to put them or just give them a chance. And that's what makes me nervous about what's going on in Jacksonville. Definitely makes me nervous about what's going on with the Jets. And it's we're going to see. Because if Nagy comes out with a game plan that has him running, maybe run some option. I don't know. Just get him in space. Get him outside the pocket. Get him running and get him running away from Miles Garrett. Because every single play that he is single blocked at the line of scrimmage, he has a chance to throw fields to the ground. And that I have to avoid at all costs. All costs. The 49ers, for example, last week against the Eagles. Early on, McGlinchey gets smoked by sweat. The rest of the game, George Kittle's helping him out. The Eagles have a fantastic defensive line. McGlinchey on an island against some of their speed rushers is disadvantaged for the 49ers. Well, what do we have? One of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Hey, George, this is not going to be one of the games where you're going to, you know, have 100 yards receiving. You're going to need to block. You're going to ask, act as our sixth offensive lineman. It did. It worked. And they won. Now, and I'm not even looking for the Bears to win. I'm just looking for them to build on-field strengths, which are dramatically different than Andy Dalton, a former kind of athletic guy who's now not really athletic. You watched him run to the sideline. He, he doesn't move very well. He's actually a pocket quarterback who doesn't have a great arm. Uh, and I know Nagy said this week that that Andy Dalton's still their starter when he comes back. I hope that Fields shows enough where that's not even an option because nobody, again, nice guy. We always got to preface that with Andy Dalton. Dalton, nice guy. He got so much credit this week on social media for clapping 
for Fields making a nice play. Think how low the bar is if you get credit for clapping on a teammate. Like it's sometimes, I mean, it's funny, but it's also kind of embarrassing. I'm not blaming Andy Dalton. He's just, I don't know, just doing what normal nice people do. They cheer on their teammates. Jimmy Garoppolo, I saw it with the Niners. When Trey Lance had a big play in the preseason, Jimmy Garoppolo screaming and he gets all this credit. Like, I hope. Like, this is this is a team game. This isn't tennis. This isn't golf. Like, you're the these guys are you're all on the same squad here. Uh, but I, uh, I I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the Justin Fields and the Bears are on the same page this week and they can just keep them upright. Okay, I wanted to react to another couple comments that I've had people reach out in the DMs. Add John Middlecoff's Instagram and said, Middlecoff, are you pivoting now? Because you said that Fangio screwed up when he named Teddy Bridgewater the quarterback. And listen, I have to acknowledge Teddy's been solid. They have played the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, so they played two teams that have a combined zero wins. But the Broncos have a really good defense. They have a good running back. They have talented skill guys. And Teddy, four touchdowns, zero picks. Not Brady nine touchdowns, not a Kyler eight. So he's been solid. He's not some MVP front runner. Yeah, through two weeks, Fangio has gotten exactly what he wanted. My take on Drew Locke being the starting quarterback was more about when they play the good teams. This week doesn't count. They're playing the Jets, right? They're going to be 3-0 unless Teddy has the worst game of his career. I, I cannot see under any circumstances Zach Wilson going into mile high and winning the game. So Vic Fangio made this move. Now, is there a chance that Drew Locke could have had a game the first two weeks where he threw a bunch of picks and and lost them in the game? For sure. My take, though, was more about big picture for a team that has a bunch of talent. Can they get a quarterback who has enough of a ceiling to play against the Raiders, the Chargers, the Chiefs, you know, the Ravens, the, the good teams in the league? I don't even have their schedule in front of me, but they're clearly, you don't get to play the Jets and the Jags every week. Eventually, we know that division's really good. You know, the Raiders, Chiefs, and the Chargers, I think, are all... I mean, the Chiefs are, let's face it, they're going to win that division. Their defense needs to play a little bit better. Chargers and Raiders are good. I mean, the Raiders are 2-0. Beat the Ravens and the Steelers. So can you beat the Raiders with Teddy Bridgewater? Can you beat the Chargers with Teddy Bridgewater? Because if you simply look at a football game, a little bit like an NBA playoff series, historically, you go... In an NBA playoff series, who has the best player? And if you just pick the team that has the best player, more often than not, you're going to be in pretty good shape when betting on the series. When you just go into an NFL game and your quarterback, it's one thing if you both have, if it's Russell Wilson versus Rodgers, if it's Mahomes, you know, versus Lamar. Yeah, those are coin flips. But if I got Teddy Bridgewater versus Mahomes, if I got Teddy Bridgewater versus Lamar, that is a dramatic gap. That is wide, and that's where I wonder. I like Vic Fangio. I'm a huge Vic Fangio guy. Loved him since the Niners. I have a good buddy in the league who works very closely with him, swears by him. I'm rooting for Vic Fangio to have success. I I just, I always enjoy just the Denver Broncos. I, hell, I love Denver, and I've really only been there a couple times. Hell, I want to go there more. I was in the, the steam room a couple weeks ago. Must have been a really rich guy because he was telling me about all these vacations he's gone on the last two or three years. Said he went to Aspen. And I was like, God, place looks sweet. You know, because remember uh, in Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey went there. It looked really cool. I want to go there too. Never been there. You know, I used to be a skier. Now I got the bulky knee. I can't really ski. But I'd go to the bar. I'd go hang out in the snow. 
Uh, so I'm rooting for the Broncos. My question on Teddy Bridgewater will not be answered till they play teams who are good. Because currently, they, you know, and I expect them to win this week. They will have beat three teams. And I'm not diminishing. You just, you play who's on your schedule. So, you know, I mean, Alabama had to beat Mercer, right? And they're going to win this week and be 3-0. The combined wins of the teams that they played, especially once the Jags, the Giants actually might beat Atlanta this week. They might have one win. So the combined records would be like one and three, three, six, one and seven or one and eight. I have to write it down and do the math. But so let's just let's just pump the brakes a little bit. And the other pushback I got from was from a lot of Colts fans and said I was being too hard on Carson Wentz. I did not say Carson Wentz sucks. I think Carson Wentz is still a very talented player. But it's all relative. The way I judge you, how good are you relative to the money you're making? So the moment you sign the you know huge contract like Jared Goff did, he is now compared to other guys making 35 plus million dollars. We know that list of players. That is the standard you're held to. A little bit Josh Allen, who I saw a quote yesterday say, I haven't played that well through two weeks. Well, Josh is no longer being judged as like this turnaround project who's become a star. Okay, we just view you as a really good player. You're now judged as a $43 million quarterback. So we see it, you know, in basketball and baseball all the time. Once you get these enormous contracts, you're no longer this little engine that could. Once you get the Max or Francisco Lindor got all that money from the Mets and then you have a shitty season, it's like, bro, you got to produce. That's why Bryce Harper this year is getting all this credit for the Phillies. He signed $330 million contract. He's one of the best players in baseball. You know, Max Scherzer has been making $30 million forever. I'll go to the war with Max Scherzer any of the week. When I pay you a ton of money, my expectations for you are sky high. So Wentz, like, has been fine. My point is, I just don't view a guy who's looking like a $35 million quarterback. It's why Derek Carr this season, part of Derek Carr is like, he he makes $20 million a year. 20. So if he's going to play like that, he's one of the best bargains in the NFL. We talk about it all the time with rookie quarterbacks. Lamar wins an MVP on his rookie contract. Uh, Mahomes wins an MVP on his rookie contract. Last year, Baker played excellent on his rookie contract. Same with Josh Allen. Like, you get extra credit for doing that because, like, damn, we had a top five or six or seven quarterback in the league, and he was making five, six, seven million dollars. In a salary cap league, I know the booger eaters like, don't count their money. Well, that's how we got to talk about the sport because you get limited by the amount of money you can spend on the team. This isn't the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers. So how much you make impacts how I build the squad. And when I look at Carson Wentz for $35 million, I saw Phillip Rivers last year. Remember, Phillip Rivers made $25 million. And he was okay. He was solid. That's what I see with Carson Wentz. He's been okay. Nothing special. And now he's injured, which is clearly the bigger aspect. And like I said, I don't blame any player for getting hurt. No human being... Hell, even if you're a non-football player, I remember one time I stubbed my toe against the wall. Most pain I've ever felt. We've all done it. It broke my big toe. My, actually, it might have been my, uh, my not the big toe, but the toe next to it, the long one. It was so much pain. I mean, I, I cried a little bit. Not like, uh, like baby tears, but just like out of pain. I mean, I swore I couldn't walk normally for weeks. And I, I didn't want to limp around. It was just an injury that happened because I was an idiot and I didn't see the wall coming. Just like Carson Wentz doesn't want to have multiple ankle sprains. No one wants, you think Brandon, no one wants to get hurt. But like that's part of his story. 
And I stand by what I said. If he had been a healthy player this whole time, I do think it's clear he's a much better player now. He's okay. He's solid. He's, you know, probably middle of the road, but he is physically talented. He's way more physically gifted than middle of the road guys. I watch Kirk Cousins and I go, I'd rather have Kirk Cousins right now than Carson Wentz. I wouldn't even hesitate. Kirk Cousins is a much better player. And Kirk Cousins can't hold a candle in terms of talent to Carson Wentz. Not even close. Ryan, I take Ryan Tannehill over Carson Wentz right now. Again, availability and being able to play helps you improve. And already, you know, Brett Hundley, who, you know, I'm a West Coast guy, root for uh, Pac-12 quarterbacks. But if Brett Hundley, who it's, it's hard to tell, I guess Jacob Eason's a Pac-12 quarterback too. They were like splitting first team reps. What quite is going on? Who's going to be the starting quarterback this week against the Titans where the Colts are kind of in a weird way? It's September, it's late September 23rd, so they kick off. 26th or 27th or whatever Sunday's date is like you go 0 and three and you've already lost the Titans and they have a two game lead on you and your quarterbacks in shambles. Like they would be staring at bye-bye playoffs. It would be very, very difficult for them to go on a run. And I know they have before, but part of that is you got to have the quarterback on the field and who could trust if Carson missed this game, even once he's able to come back healthy, that he'll be able to string eight straight games together, let alone, I guess however many would be left, 14. That would be a lot to ask. So the expectations are tied to your salary. Whatever job you're in right now, you know, we're always, it's human nature. We're always jealous. It's probably, I guess, the industries I worked in in radio and football, you kind of had an idea how much everyone was making. I don't know if that's the same for every single industry. You listening, some of you might know exactly how much your colleagues make. Some of you are fascinated. You don't know. You wish you did. But for those of you that do know how much your colleagues make, if there's someone in the same company as you who makes you know, double or triple what you make and you think you're better or you think he's not pulling his weight, you go, what the hell is going on? Anyone listening to this right now that runs a company, if you pay someone you know, 40 grand a year, your expectations for that human being are a lot different than you paying your president of the company 500 grand or a million dollars or 200 grand, whatever money's all relative, right? It changes with how much I pay you. It's why we have so much respect for Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, he got $450 million. It kicks everyone's ass. It's like Tom Brady is like a cheat code. He keeps taking these discounts. He's thrown nine touchdowns. Like, is this even fair? I mean, what are we doing? Like, It's not. It, it, that, that'd be like the equivalent of like LeBron James or Steph Curry. Instead of making $40 million a year, we're like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just make 22. Get, get me an extra couple of players. You'd be like, what? This is where they're going to kick everyone's ass. It's just, we're never going to see another Tom again. Cause most players, and I'll never blame anybody uh, a little bit, because I do think if like, if you're making 40, you could easily make 30 and make that up, you know, easily as a quarterback. Plus you always see every penny, but that's another conversation for another day. I'm just, the expectations like for Carson Wentz are higher than Teddy Bridgewater, for example. So something to keep an eye on this weekend. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. 
Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Firestone test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? is at the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, what I thought I'd do is just go around the league. Some storylines, some games, things that I'm fired up this weekend. Roethlisberger has had quite the week. 
They lose the Raiders. He just takes a dump on his offensive coordinator. Crushes him. Now, if you remember, every story said when they fired, uh, I think it was the op- former offensive line coach that became the offensive coordinator to now Matt uh, Canada is their offensive line or their offensive coordinator now. I think I might have said his name wrong, but he was every story was like, this is who Roethlisberger wanted to be the offensive coordinator. And then his quotes after the game was like, we don't run no huddle. Uh, we don't know what we're doing. I mean, just absolutely destroys the guy. Classic Ben, you know, throw guys under the bus. Then he's injured as well. And I, I think he's showing his true colors of being a 39 year old kind of breaking down quarterback. And if he cannot stay healthy, which he's already heard, it would be a major, major problem. They play the Bengals. You know, TJ Watt's status is somewhat up in the air. The last I saw, I think on Thursday, I guess I'm recording this on Thursday. Wednesday, he was limited in practice, which is a good sign. Uh, Now, do they push him or not to play? We'll see. If he was playing, I would say their defense could just take over and win the game because the Bengals' offensive line isn't very good. But I like Joe Burrow, man. He's showing a little moxie. You know, they beat the Vikings week one. They actually played decent week two against the Bears. Uh, Definitely came back a little bit, I guess, when Fields came in the game. But this is a, you know, you can't be losing to the Bengals at home after you just lost. Washington against the Bills. I saw some quotes. Taylor Heineke was like, this is my job. Fitzpatrick's my guy, but I plan on keeping this thing. I'm the starting quarterback for the Washington football team. Well, you're playing the Bills, who got a pretty good pass rush now. And a pretty good head coach, a defensive-minded guy. I think this game could be pretty tough. And I think in games like this against other playoff-level teams, you'll see why Washington is screwed and they're going to be in the uh, the quarterback, a true starting quarterback. Whether it's a big trade-up to get a guy this offseason, whether it's trading for you know a younger bridge quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think Taylor Heineke could be in for a long game. And I, I, I do think there's some... I, pressure might be the wrong word, but just some, we're all watching. Like, is Josh Allen going to get this thing rolling? Now, you know, Washington's defense, while a little overhyped, is still pretty good, is something to just, you know, can can they carry the squad? Uh, this is a pretty big game, you know, for the Bills especially, but if Washington wins this, you're 2-1 and one with a win over the Bills, you'd be feeling pretty good. Chargers at Kansas City. The Chiefs' defense has not been good. Now, they played Lamar Jackson, who just flipped the switch as a uh, as a coach in the league. I was texting with earlier this week. Was like, uh, com- he said, "You know who uh, Lamar Jackson is?" I said, "No, who is he?" He said, "Michael Jackson." He didn't even explain it, but I, I you know, I mean, just there's we've never seen anything like this. He is a remarkable player. So if your defense, you know, struggles against Lamar Jackson, I give you somewhat of a pass. Now we understand the Kansas City Chiefs are not the '85 Bears on defense which I actually stumbled upon that 30 for 30. Fantastic. I mean, it was, that 30 for 30 is elite. Ditka and uh, Rex Ryan's dad, Buddy Ryan, they hated each other. They didn't talk. Buddy constantly told Ditka to get out of meetings. Ditka, I think he was hired in 82, made $100,000. He was the lowest paid coach even at the time, which 100 grand in 82 was obviously a lot more than 100 grand now, was still the lowest paid coach at the time. Fantastic 30 for 30. If you ever get a chance to watch it, check it out. But the Chiefs defense, you know, against the Chargers, Herbert is a completely different animal than Lamar. He's not a scramble guy, though he can run. Lamar is, you know, making you miss in space. I think I saw Devontae Adams said this week that he watched film this offseason of Lamar to learn how to juke guys. Like some guys, when I was with the Eagles, Shady McCoy, you either have the, uh, you know, the wiggle or you don't. 
And it's something that Lamar, he, he would make most defenders look bad. I remember a couple years ago when they played the Niners in a rain game, he was juking out Niners, and they were the best defense in the league that year. Like, I I give you somewhat of a pass, but the, the Chargers, I mean, Keenan looks fantastic. Mike Williams is an animal. Uh, Eckler's a solid player. They have offensive firepower. Now, can they beat the Chiefs at Kansas City? Early morning kickoff, coming off a both teams are coming off a rough loss. This game's good. You know, this is... I can't wait to watch this bad boy. Mahomes, just simple reality with the Chiefs, and they know this. Mahomes knows this. Andy knows this. It's not like, uh, it's not top secret. They need him to be awesome for them to win. And let's face it, for the last three years, he's been freaking awesome, and they've basically won every game probably except like eight. I mean, how many games have they lost in the last couple years? They went to the AFC Championship. I think that year they go 13-3. and The following year... They go 14 and two. I mean, they just don't lose many games. You know, that's why it's so weird when they lose the Ravens. They, the last several years, they only lose two or three of these a year. And then, you know, they won the Super Bowl the one year and last year they won the Super Bowl. We're just not used to seeing Mahomes and Andy go to midfield, you know, once the clock's hit zero and they don't have more points than the other team. It's at this point in time, it's kind of glaring. You know, it's like, whoa, it just kind of hits you. Because we're used to seeing them win. I, I do think this is uh they're gonna come in firing in all cylinders against the Chargers. Divisional game, you know, especially if the Raiders, you know, who probably are gonna win against Miami and Denver's definitely gonna win against the Jets. Whoever loses this game, all of a sudden you're one and two, and you have multiple teams in your division, three and oh, plus the Chiefs and the Chargers, you lose this game. That's a divisional game, especially for the uh Kansas City, it's at home. It's a this is a big game. And back, like I said with the Raiders, can they start 3-0? Two is out. You know, he got absolutely mollywopped, destroyed, and you know, has hurt ribs. Here's the problem for Miami. Their offensive line's not very good. And Jacoby's a bad athlete. So he can't run away. Not that Tua could, but Tua's a better athlete than Jacoby. Now, is Jacoby a better quarterback than Tua? Maybe. He definitely has more experience and has played better in more games than Tua ever has. But the Raiders' defense is playing much better. The Dolphins have scored 17 points all season. The Raiders have one of the best quarterbacks right now in the league. Now, one thing the Dolphins have, they have pretty good DBs. And Ruggs has been going off. Brian Edwards has been going off. It's going to be a fascinating matchup. I do like the Raiders in this game. Uh, I, I know, you know, Stucky said earlier that... Uh, you know, he take, he likes the Dolphins plus four. Obviously, that game last year, remember, it was a Thursday night game. Or, no, it was a Saturday night game last year. They they were doing the uh, the baseball strategy. If Tua was shitty, they would yank him out for Fitzpatrick. That's what they had to do. Now they're just going in with Jacoby. Uh, the Raiders start 3-0. and That's a pretty incredible start. You beat the Ravens, you beat the Steelers, and you beat the Dolphins. I mean, the, like I said, the Ravens and the Steelers last year, Ravens won 11, I think the Steelers won 13. That's 24 wins. The Dolphins won 10. So that's you would beat three teams that last year won 34 games. That that's that's an incredible start for Gruden and the Raiders. And as someone who's you know talked a little shit uh, about the about Gruden, I, I'd have to give him some credit. You know, Gus Bradley's doing a good job. Obviously, Derek, he's helped Derek resurrect his career and become a Pro Bowl level player. The Raiders would be in pretty good shape. And then that game for the Raiders the following week, they get the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Uh, Arizona, 
playing the Jags. I mean, can they start 3-0? and Because if you just start 3-4-5-0, you just build this buffer late in the season where it's hard to miss the playoffs because you have so many wins. Now, this is the game that they just kind of didn't come to play last year. Historically, under Kingsbury, all right, I mean, mainly last year because his first year they were pretty bad. But like when they played well and they've played well two weeks in a row, I know their defense was a little sketchy, but they're throwing up a bunch of points. It's kind of what they do. Then all of a sudden, like they play a lesser opponent and they play down to them. Now, I, I I would short Urban Meyer. I think he's easily right now one of the worst coaches in the NFL. Again, people are like, you're too hard on Urban Meyer. Elite college coach, all-time college coach. Saban, Tom Osborne. I mean, he's a Bobby Bowden. Like he's he's an all-time great. This is a completely different industry. While it's while it's still football, this is the pros. And he sticks. He is not very good as a pro head coach. He is completely overwhelmed. As he just said, this like playing Alabama. He told Vic Fangio, it's like playing Alabama every week. It's like Urban. What do you you played the Texans? You, that was your first game. Al, you came Alabama. You played the fucking Texans. What are you talking about? And I, I just, Arizona should win this game. Don't have much faith in them playing up to an opponent that isn't as good. So I got this one red flag, but I just have a hard time seeing Urban Meyer win a game in the league. Seattle at Minnesota. Seattle's coming off a pretty devastating loss. I mean, they were destroying watching that game. Destroying. The Titans. And then Derrick Henry turned into Derrick Henry. And I think a lot of people think Derrick Henry's great because of his size. And he's probably the biggest running back in the history of the league. He is massive. Went to a Titans practice a couple years ago. Stood next to him. He's bigger in person than he looks like on TV. And he is massive on TV. His greatest attribute is not his size. He doesn't run guys over. He makes them miss in space. He's got phenomenal feet. And he has elite top end speed. So his ability, he had the the long run he had against Seattle. He was one-on-one with Diggs in the open field coming right at him. But he can take an angle, he can make a miss, and then he can beat him straight line. He's faster than most DBs. I think he's one of the most unique players we've ever seen. Right? He's just, like, I'm back to the 30 for 30. Walter Payton, obviously, was passed away when they shot the videos. But you just watch the highlights of him. Walter is very, like, running guys over. Lowering his shoulder, Bo Jackson style, trucking, running or DBs and linebackers. Derrick Henry does not do that. He runs around guys. It's, I'm not going to call him a a finesse back, but he's a he's a skilled. He's a very very skilled big back that wins on speed in his feet. So can Seattle? You know. You know, Minnesota has Dalvin Cook, who's banged up. You know, I think he missed practice on Wednesday. It's it's hard to tell sometimes with great players, like whether they practice or not, you never know if they're going to play in the game. Like with younger, unproven players, you get a pretty good idea. But with great veteran players, like they can take the week off of practice still playing games when they're a little banged up. Can Seattle stop Dalvin Cook? And say what you want about Minnesota, who is 7-11 and 11 since week one last year. They have to be the best you know, losing record team in the league because their offense has been awesome. Watching that game against Arizona, Cousins is good. Now, is he a top 10 quarterback? Probably not, but he's somewhere like 11, 12, 13. He pushes the ball downfield. They have a ton of weapons. Aqib Tlaib called it third in Thielen. Thielen's a stud. Jefferson's a stud. Cook's a stud. They have weapons galore. Their problem has been they just can't stop the other team from scoring. So... This could just be a shootout, home opener, Minnesota. 
everyone doing skull place is going to be rocking. You'd think maybe people are pissed off because their team's not any good. They, they, their kicker, their kicker just needs to start making kicks. Like somehow when you have a 30 yard field goal, a 35 yard field goal, an extra point, you have to make them. And whenever I watch Minnesota and someone DM me a Vikings fan is like, do you think it's crazy that I think we should trade a second round pick for, uh, for Justin Tucker? I said, the problem is I would do that if I was the Vikings, the Ravens, like they love Justin Tucker. So it would, they wouldn't trade him to you. Now, a lot of teams would trade their good kicker for a second round pick, but you wouldn't want to trade for a non like hall of fame kicker. If you're going to use a second round pick. So they're kind of in no man's land. It doesn't make any sense to make a move beside for like the top guy, but the team with the top guy is never going to give it to you. You know, like I, like I, the way I, the analogy I used, it'd be like spending $5 million on a house that's worth three and a half million dollars. Cause is Justin Tucker truly worth the second round pick. Probably not. But if you got $5 million and you're a rich guy, you're like, I want this $3 million house. I'll pay $5 million. But if I'm living in a three million, three and a half million dollar house, I might be rich too. And I might go, you know what? I don't want to fucking move. I don't want to get movers. I like my home. I like my man cave. My wife loves the kitchen and our master bedroom and our walk-in closet. We don't want to pick up and move. So yeah, are you offering me way more than my house is worth? For sure. But I like my pad and I'm not moving. Now, if you're going to trade for a lesser kicker, the second round pick, and be like spending $5 million on a home, but buying a $1 million home. So the person, if I owned a $1 million home, and you offered me $5 million, I'd be like, yeah, I'll be out by tomorrow. <laughs> like, where, where do I sign? Where, where, uh, here's my bank information. Send that. Here's my real estate agent. Let's do, let's do the deal today. Everyone would do that deal. So if you called up majority of the league and offered a second round pick for their kicker, they, they would say yes. They would drive the kicker to your facility. But it doesn't pencil for the Vikings. So they're kind of in a tough spot. Uh, the last game that I saw that was somewhat intriguing is the Giants in Atlanta. Obviously, Atlanta's a joke. Uh, they put out that statement like, hey, hey, teams, like if you're putting out statements apologizing for losses week two, we got problems. Also, why are you guys so obsessed with social media? Just just play the games. We get it. Your team sucks. You don't need to put out these statements. But they did. Whatever. Atlanta, if the Giants lose to Atlanta and go 0-3, I, I think you would have to start asking yourself, is this whole thing just a disaster? And I know the Giants don't want to go down the road of, you know, firing everyone again. But may, would there be something to be said about maybe just blowing it all up? Listen, we took McAdoo, that failed. Then we went down to Shermer, that failed. Then we thought we hit this home run that no one knew was coming in uh, Joe Judge, kind of out of left field. You're like, oh, who's Joe Judge? I mean, let's face it. Unless you were a diehard Patriot guy or, or a diehard Alabama guy, the majority of us, including myself, who follows the NFL for a living and and listen, I mean, if you listen to the show, we talk a lot about coaches and a lot about assistant coaches. I didn't know who Joe Judge was. Like, maybe he's just completely over his head. This tough guy act, maybe it doesn't work. If you lose to the Atlanta Falcons and you're 0-3, now I, and I, I've defended them, I don't blame them for Daniel Jones, but if you can't beat the fucking Atlanta Falcons, maybe it's time just to blow it up. Start over at the end of the season, get a GM, get a head coach, bring them in at the same time. Because what are you going to do? If you go like four wins, you're just going to fire Gettleman and then you're going to let Joe Judge influence the GM coming in? What has he proven to be able to pull the strings to get a GM coming in? I, I just feel that the Giants organization for this powerhouse franchise is somewhat lost right now. 
at least Atlanta, they suck, but they brought in a new coach. They brought in a new GM. It's just everyone kind of knew they weren't going to be any good. Whenever I heard anyone say, I think Atlanta's kind of a sleeper team. It's like, what are you talking about? Arthur Smith, he's this genius offensive coordinator. Yeah, with a running quarterback and a running back, that's how his offense thrived. He had an athletic quarterback and the best running back in the league. That's not the case here. He has a quarterback who's, you know, beside Brady, probably the slowest quarterback in the league. He doesn't really have a running game. Like he's a, pa- they run a passing offense. So it's just, they're not really on the same page with Arthur Smith's strengths. And maybe he's a really good at, you know, dealing with a guy like Matt Ryan. We just haven't seen it. His two years as the offensive coordinator, he thrived with Tannehill. Former wide receiver, one of the better athletes at quarterback. And they they had a, a running back that ran for like uh, 3,600 yards over two years. So I, I just think it, the Giants got to win this game. Like you, you just can't lose the Atlanta Falcons. You know, you just cannot. If that happens, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't think that firing the operation would, would be that big of an overreaction. Okay. My man Stucky is hot. Four and two on the year. Squeak, you know, the indie game was close last week, but, you know, it, it covered. Uh, now we got, we're into week three already. It's crazy. Once the NFL season starts, it gets going fast. You can catch them every week. Action Network podcast comes out Thursday morning. Uh, gambling galore, picks galore. And clearly, if you follow this guy's uh, words of wisdom, you, you'll pick winners. So, Stucky, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Yeah, I think for as far as the show picks him, have gone probably a just result. We, we probably should have covered that New England game in week one, uh, if not for a couple of fumbles. And then we got a bit lucky with the Colts. I know they failed in the red zone, but we got a, a little butt fumble on a, on a punt that helped us out late. So anything you can do to get to the window, I'll take. Stuck, you know the best part about the butt fumble is the dude that was hit by the ball, like the punt protector, D- didn't even flinch and he sprinted to go cover the kick. It's like, bro, I saw that. I saw ball that. just hit you. What, what do you think? <laughs> you think it landed in the punter's hands, but he just was so locked in. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes you just got to be a football player and he was, uh, he was a robot there, but that's going to hurt his awareness factor on Matt. I, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, okay. Well, week three NFL season already feels like it's, you know, rocking and rolling. Pretty, I, I think, pretty good slate of games this week. Where, where, where do you want to start? Uh, well, as you know, it's week two and week three. I'm still, we're still learning a lot about these teams. So a lot of times, I'm just selling or buying the market over reactions and underreactions. So my betting cards are ugly as sin. Generally speaking, a lot of ugly dogs in the first couple of weeks. Uh, so we can start with the ugliest one on the board, which I think would be uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars plus seven and a half. Uh, look, when it, when this before the lines came out, I was praying to the gambling gods to put this line out at six and a half and let it sit there all week because then I wouldn't bet it. But per my numbers, I had to take seven and a half here. Look, Jacksonville, I won't, I will not tell you anything good that Jacksonville has done. Uh, this is just a pure number play. It's also just a bad spot for Arizona. You know, they're two and zero. Oh, they escaped that win over Minnesota. I think they're a little overvalued now. I think that week one game said more about Tennessee, but now they're going you know, across the country to play an out-of-conference game before they have, on deck, they have the Rams and 49ers. So I'm not a huge Kingsbury guy. I can see them being just not focused on disciplined here. And you just have to hope that Trevor Lawrence settles in a little bit. He should feel more comfortable going from a Fangio defense to 
Arizona's defense. And if you look back since 2003, you know, if you look at all the trends of teams that are 0-2 against the spread and are underdogs, 0-2 outright, you know, they've lost their first two games and then are underdogs, they're all about 60%. It's only happened five times since 2003 where a team is 0-2 and catching over seven points at home, which is kind of a rarity in the NFL. And generally speaking, you're on the right side if you back that home dog. You're about 55% overall for a home dog over seven points. But here's the five quarterbacks that you would have had a back in this spot in the past. Some will remember Stafford when the Lions beat the Patriots by like 18. Patricia's highlight. It was all downhill from there. I think that game was on prime time. Before then, it was Charlie Fry, Curry Collins with the Colts, Jeff Blake, and Mike Glennon. What a crew. All five, all five covered, 3-1 outright. All five games were coin flips, and all those teams combined won no more than five. Neither of those teams won more than five games. So this is still an NFL team. Even though I'm not a fan of what Urban Meyer is doing, Trevor Lawrence has looked uh, bad. I had to take the number. I'm taking the seven and a half. Bad spot for Arizona. Catching a touchdown at home. I, I hope it doesn't end bad again. You know, what's crazy is I, I, and I'm someone who thinks Urban Meyer right now is probably a bottom five head coach in the league. Just not, he's obviously a really great college coach, but the NFL, I think he's over his head. He just told Fangio, it's like playing Alabama every week. Alabama every the Giants. week yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like he's playing, you know, the Packers and the 49ers in Seattle. So uh, he's even in for a bigger eye opener. But they got to play the Texans week one. Yeah, great point. But if you remember, and I know you do, but Arizona last year, would play up for opponents that when they played Seattle, when they would play the Rams, when they would play the Niners, they, they played fantastically like they did week one against Tennessee. And then they would play lesser opponents and it would be a completely different squad. So it's almost like you're shorting their culture because clearly they can score a lot of points. The East Coast game, I would just putting actual money on the Jags would be, uh, would keep the heart pounding. But it, it, I, I'm with you. I think it's the right bet. Okay. Game number two. You want to go? Uh, let's go. Let's go. You want to go uh, AFC South? Little little you know playoff game here. Yeah, we're gonna go from Trevor Lawrence. That these quarterbacks are just gonna get uh, uglier and uglier. Um, to potentially Carson Wentz might play. We're gonna take the Colts plus five, five and a half at Tennessee. Carson Wentz might play as two beat up ankles, or you might see two quarterbacks. You might see Jacob Eason. You might see Brett Hundley in there. They were sharing snaps. Who knows what you're going to get? I don't think – look, I have these two teams about even uh, from a power ratings perspective, and home field in the NFL is almost meaningless these days. And I don't think the drop-off – Wentz has been serviceable, but I don't think the drop-off is that enormous, you know, crossing a three or four to get you to five, five and a half. This Tennessee defense, we've talked about in this show, has major issues, one of the worst in the NFL – I think Indianapolis, their offensive line is starting to gel and get healthier, should be able to control the clock here, move the ball on the ground. Uh, they have a couple intangible advantages here, too. I like their staff, um, who, which has gone into Tennessee the last three years and won outright. Um, I like that, you know, their special teams have an advantage. I, I'm just – this Tennessee defense is going to keep you in games. Divisional, desperate dog here on the road with a good staff that I think will have them prepared. Uh, I'm taking the five and a half points in a game that if you look at the Colts next couple of games, I mean, this game could be for the Colts season. 
I think that Wentz might try to give it a go, and you'll, yeah, who knows how many different quarterbacks you'll see. But I think that they're going to rely on the rely on their ground game. They'll have a good defensive game plan, and uh, I think they can keep this close. I think I'm with you because if you lose, if you're Indy, you'd be zero and three, and so that you'd be two games back of Tennessee, and they'd already beat you. Uh, and then, like you said, the schedule coming up, it'd be over. It'd be over yep. early. Lights. And, and it's clear with Tennessee for them to win, Henry has to turn into a Hall of Fame back, which he did last week, which he's done in the past. It's a little harder against Indy's front seven, right? You know, you don't expect him to just, you know, it's, I know it's at home, but run for a buck 50 plus, which puts them in the best position to win. So I, 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 but I read a headline and I know you just mentioned it, Brett Hundley, you know, what if he has to start? That seems pretty nuts. Uh, if you tell me Brett Hundley starting a little like betting on Jacksonville, it is hard to put money on a Brett Hundley team against, you know, I mean, Tennessee's been a playoff team the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm hoping that Brett Hundley starting means he's handing it off and uh, throwing very easy passes uh, against this soft secondary and not trying to, uh, throw any deep outs or anything like that. But uh, it is, it's definitely scary and it's, that's built into the line. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll side with the divisional dog. You know, te- two teams very familiar with each other, two staffs that have gone at it for, for three years. I still think Tennessee has some issues. Look, they broke out. They were down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Last, yeah. And so, and then you re- Henry had that huge run. And so, I mean, they've played one and a half really good quarters. Maybe they're all the way back, but, What's not going to be back is their defense. And I, Indianapolis should be able to move the ball on the ground, control the clock, sustain some drives. Uh, and I think this game stays close. This, uh, this last game, when you sent over the pick, surprised me a little bit. Tell, tell me about what you're seeing in Vegas. Yeah, I took Miami plus four. Uh, again, we are we're, – so we're going from potentially Brett Hundley and Trevor Lawrence to uh, now Jacoby Brissett. Um, again, I think this is, you know, this is an overreaction to what we saw the Raiders do over the first two weeks. They upset the Ravens in a game. They were down, you know, 17, seven in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were down and out and just a crazy turn of events. And they end up winning that game. They, and look, credit to them and, and Derek Carr is playing great. Then they go to Pittsburgh on a short week and win, but that Pittsburgh offense is a mess. Then they had a bunch of defensive injuries on the other side, typical Mike Tomlin loss uh, after the upset on the road. And now they come back west, and now they're favored by four points. Last year, these two teams played in late December. Miami was a two-and-a-half-point favorite in a game they won by one because Fitzpatrick had to come in and, and save the day. They had no receivers for that game. I mean, none. Uh, Parker was out, and you know they've since added Will Fuller, who will be available this week, uh, and then drafted Waddle. They were two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm not the – and look, I bet the Raiders in that game, but I, I'm not the biggest Tua guy. I, I think that eventually he'll be good, but he's still – just if you look at his average depth of target and how he's reading defense, he still has a, a lot of work to do. This is a huge overreaction because I don't think the drop-off is that far. You're getting just an inflated Vegas number after two upsets uh, over the Steelers and Ravens, and – Look, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. Miami will come up with a good defensive game plan. Um, and the Raiders defense is better because of their new defensive coordinator. They're a better coach. They added some pieces. But you can still attack them in pockets. Uh, I just think this is an overreaction to the quarterback injury for the Dolphins, which I don't think it's that big of a deal. Tua hasn't been lighting you know the world on fire at quarterback. And 
what Vegas has done over the first two weeks. Meanwhile, Miami's coming off a 30, you know, losing 35 nothing. Teams that have not covered uh, by 28 or more points the week before, 63% against the spread historically the next week. So uh, I expect a bounce back performance here from Miami. Wouldn't be surprised, you know, if this is a field goal game either way, the 2017 lower scoring game. Uh, so yeah, I'm trust, trusting uh, Jacoby Brissett here. Which makes sense, right? You lose by 28 points, which is an absolute ass kicking in the NFL. You're going to come back and show a little moxie, a little fight. Well, and the market wants to send the market. The general market might oversell you after that happens as well. For sure. For sure. So it, it, it adds up. Miami's offensive line has been terrible. They scored 17 oh. points all season. Jacoby is not a great athlete. So now Vegas isn't exactly rolling out Howie Long and Khalil Mack. But like you said, their defense has been better. I just wonder if they can't block anybody, he's kind of a sitting duck. But the Dolphins do have a couple good DBs. The Raiders wide receivers have been playing well. That should neutralize that a little bit. Uh, you know, Vegas, could they be feeling themselves a little bit, right? I mean, most people, when I looked at that schedule, I thought, hell, they're going to be 0-2. And now they're 2-0. and Everyone's kind of anointing them. Kind of nuts. There are only two 2-0 and teams in the AFC, and they're obviously one of them, them in Denver. So, you know, this feels a little bit like a trap. I could see a little bit like the Arizona game. Is it fair to say the public is going to be hammering Arizona and hammering Vegas this week? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you'll probably – I don't know. I'll be on an island with Jacksonville for sure. Um, most, And I think the majority of bets will not as much uh, of a split as we'll see in Jacksonville, but the, I think the majority of the bets will be on Vegas. Jacoby Brissett, everyone has seen what Vegas has done. But like I said, this was Miami minus two and a half last December in Vegas. And I mean, granted, there were no fans, but, you know, Miami didn't have the top three receivers it has now. And I just don't think that there's a massive drop off between Tua and Brissett where this line should now be four. Yeah, the Raiders are improved, but that's a big move. And, you know, if this line was maybe, you know, what I make it is, you know, Vegas a little over a two point favorite, two, two and a half. If this was right there or three, I probably I wouldn't touch it. But now you're going to give me four, um, you know, a key number in the NFL. I'm taking it uh, and I'm hoping hoping for some Miami turnover luck. They, t- they tend to get on the right side of turnovers more often than not. So hopefully that's on my side. I, before you leave, I just want to ask about one more game. I, I know I didn't tell you about this before, but the Niners hosting the Packers two years ago when they were both good. The Niners kicked their ass twice. Last year, that Thursday night game, you remember the Niners had all those false positives. So Trent Williams, Brandon Ayuk, all those guys were out. Jimmy was out. They were bad. But I, I think this the two teams playing well has more kind of parallels to two years ago when they were both good and they met in the NFC Championship. And the Niners just kind of shoved them around. I'm watching the Packers even in their one win. They just they look a little off. It, it, you know, I, I kind of like the Niners, you know, to cover again in this week. Yeah, last year, what Mullins started, and uh, I forget that receiver's name who had like 200 yards receiving for them. He had like 15 catches. Um, so one of their receivers went off. Who doesn't start now? Um, it's going to kill me not remembering that. But yeah, I, from a scheme perspective, you could throw out last year. From a scheme perspective, this heavily favors San Francisco. This is the type of the this is the type of team that they just run all over. Like Shanahan lives to scheme up a game plan to take advantage of this soft Green Bay defense, which just can't really defend the run. We saw it in week one when 
you look, the Saints just ran at will over the Packers. And last week, Detroit had success running against Green Bay. So, yeah, I agree with you. The one thing that does scare me is San Fran's secondary kind of beat up going against Aaron Rodgers. I'm curious to see how San Fran plays this. You know, in the past, a lot of more cover one, cover three. But you saw the Saints, two deep shell. Look, we'll just take away Devonta Adams and what and and what Rodgers likes to do deep, and we'll let you beat us underneath. And the Lions took the same thing. Yeah, yeah. and they the first week one, Aaron Gunn played cover one, cover three, and was blitzing. Changed his whole approach. I'm curious to see if the 49ers take that same approach with their beat up secondary, and they have the linebackers and defensive linemen that the Lions don't to you know match up with Aaron Jones, who just took advantage and credit to the Packers for being patient. But yeah, I think from a scheme perspective, uh, this is a dream matchup for San Fran, their offensive line and what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, especially if they get out to a lead early. Stucky, you the man action network podcast every Thursday morning. Have a good weekend, bro. Absolutely. Good luck, brother. See ya. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Continental Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online 
and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Okay, let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Slide up in those DMs, get your question answered here on the show. It's pretty easy. It's a little thing called uh, Instagram owned by Facebook. I think they bought it back in the day for a billion dollars. It's definitely worth more than that now. I think you can actually kind of save Facebook. Uh, big fan of the pods. Wanted to hear your thoughts on a couple Cowboys theories. Do you think Hard Knocks exposure, despite how tame and boring it was, helped motivate McCarthy? I do not. I don't think Hard Knocks played any role in anything Mike McCarthy is doing. Now, I don't know exactly what he does. He doesn't call the offense, doesn't call the defense. Obviously, he doesn't know anything about special teams. But I think he his motivation was just simply, they sucked last year. Now, part of that, Dak's getting injured. But I think Hard Knocks plays zero role in anything the Cowboys are doing. You think Micah Parsons' pick was kind of like Zach Martin' pick, where it was uh, a great pick, but not as sexy of a pick that we know Jerry likes? I think part of the reason it wasn't a sexy pick because the guy opted out. So part of opting out in a season, if we don't really see you for a year, just a little out of sight, out of mind. You know, it was a little that way with Panay Sewell and even Jamar Chase. I mean, all three of those guys went in the top, what, like 11? But think about the guys that were the most polarizing draft prospects this year. Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Waddle, Devontae Smith. I mean, the guys that played. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, Zach Wilson. When you play, you're just more, you know, in our consciousness. You're in our everyday vernacular because we're talking about you. And when you don't play, Micah Parsons was a very, quote-unquote, football sexy, right? I mean, he kicked ass two years ago at Penn State. He's a sweet player, but he didn't play last year, so we just kind of forget about you. Fair or not. Lastly, do you think Dan Quinn will be a competent DC this year because he can pour all of his focus into that side of the ball? Keep rocking with Guy and on the three and out. I find both pods months ago, and I haven't looked back since. I appreciate it. Full name on the internet. Bracton Bennett. I like it. I would say Dan Quinn, I I think it's human nature. Have you ever tried to do 10 things at one time? Let's even say like four things at one time. 
it can feel overwhelming. I know sometimes I'll be like, well, I'm just, I'm trying to half-ass like three things at once. Why don't I just focus on one, write down the other two things, and then just bang it out, you know, in order or whatever, right? But just one, focus on one, do it, then focus on the next thing. It's why it's so impressive any great CEO, Belichick, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Pete Carroll, these older coaches that have been head coaches forever. Think how much stuff is coming at them left and right. And unlike, you know, Belichick, Pete, and even Arians now, like they, they get to kind of, they're playing a CEO role. Andy calls the plays, Sean Payton calls the plays. Think about being an older head coach while you're still calling the plays. How much stuff is coming at you all the time? Because you still have to worry about your defense, your special teams, coordinating everything. There's a lot going on. I mean, it's it definitely should help him out a little bit. But I'd argue like when he was in Atlanta, he wasn't calling the play. What was he really doing? He was just being the CEO guy. So now he doesn't have to do that. doesn't have to put out any fires. He just gets to coach, you know, X's and O's and motivate, which maybe is his strength. We'll see. They, I, I give him credit. They, they, uh, they definitely looked better last week against the Chargers, right? Obviously, Tampa's tough. I mean, that's a tough matchup. But the Chargers have a lot of talent on defense. And I thought they just flying around, picked them off, uh, just making some plays. They, they have looked, boom, he put Micah Parsons' hand in the dirt, played defensive end, basically. So I, yeah, I, I, I tip my hat. Mike Nolan, it couldn't have been any worse. It, it, it just couldn't have gone any worse. It's clearly going pretty well, you know, relative to last year. Bar was pretty low. We're not looking for, uh, you know, the steel curtain here. We're just looking for a couple open field tackles and some pressures here the Dallas Cowboys, and maybe a PBU. Right? We are not looking for. LOB lead the league in scoring defense for four straight years. Can we just uh, get a couple stops on third down? DM bro, question for the pod. Life Lifelong diehard Raiders fan. I'm 33. Good age. This Gruden Carr offense reminds me of the Peyton Manning offense. Gets to the line with four plays in mind, calls constant audibles, and waits till the last second to call a play. Obviously not to the same level as Peyton, but what's your take? Well, I remember when John Gruden got the job and he was in Napa. Him and Peyton are pretty good buddies. And Peyton came out to hang out with him. So I, if you remember John Gruden calling Peyton Manning games, calling him the sheriff, it was like he'd have a half chub when he was calling Peyton Manning games. I don't blame him. I mean, Peyton Manning's one of the more entertaining players in the history of the league. And what he's doing right now on the, uh, on the Manning broadcast is freaking awesome. He went from 800,000 viewers to almost 2 million viewers. Peyton Manning's a needle mover. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine. And did you see, like, Peyton Manning was so fired up to talk Raiders week one? I think he's just tight with Gruden. And I think he likes Derek. So I would imagine they've picked his brain and stole some stuff. But like you said, I mean, Derek ain't Peyton. But yeah, I mean, I it's different. The main difference, here's the main difference. Peyton was the offensive coordinator. Peyton called all the plays. Gruden's still calling the plays. Now he's working, you know, hand in hand with Derek, but it's it's a Gruden show that Derek runs. You know, it was a Peyton show that everyone followed. <laughs> I heard a story once from people that were in Indy that Peyton would walk out to practice. Like if you go to most practices, there's a script and the script is the practice. So every practice has, let's just use an even number, 20 periods in a practice. And let's say every period is five minutes. Well, once you get out of individual drills and get into group and team situations, you start running plays. 
And when you run the plays, you're not just ran, running random plays. They're scripted. Well, when you'd walk out to the field, Peyton Manning would meet whoever is quarterback, coach, or offensive coordinator, and they'd hand him the script. Peyton would grab a red pen. He's like, like this, like this. No, we're going to change this. We're going to change this, like this. This is good. This, no, this. The Peyton was the boss, as he should have been, you know? So I, it's what, in a weird way, for, for Tom, who was more accomplished, right, than Peyton, even, you know, in the 2000s, he had the three, Peyton only had the one. Tom always, I, I feel, and I don't blame him, aspired to have that type juice, have that type control. Guess what? He gets it now. It's working. And you should give those type guys that much juice. Just like I'm, I'm not saying Derek doesn't have a lot of influence, but it's just Peyton was the extreme. You know, there, there, there might never quite be anything, I would say, like that again. And with a guy like Gruden, like Gruden wants to call the plays. And Derek just, and he gives Derek a little more rope the more he can prove. That's how you should do any job, right? Any employee who's really talented. Give him some rope, let him do some stuff, and also advise and try to influence him in what you see from your point of view. The best part about working, like as someone who tried to do a lot of stuff by themselves, business from like 15 to like 18, you can only do so much stuff yourself. And ideas come from other people that are things that you would not have thought about. So that there is... Even if your quarterback is like Kirk Cousins, like you should just take some of his input. You should always take the player's input and what he's comfortable with doing. What's up, John? Big fan of the pod. Just curious with all the injuries to running back on the roster, why isn't there any talk about Carrion Johnson being brought up off the practice squad? I think is Carrion Johnson, are we talking Niners right now? I'm not exactly sure. I don't, uh, you know, the best part about my job now is I'm not super locked into practice squads. When you're a scout, you spend so much time watching and following practice squads. Yeah, he's in the Niners. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the thing is when you have a bunch of injuries with the bigger rosters now with practice squad, you don't you can play carry on Johnson at practice right now. Let's just use this hypothetical. He could be the starting running back for the 49ers, and they wouldn't bring him up till Saturday. Because you don't want to tip your hand to the team you're playing. You don't want the Packers to know because the media is not allowed to practice. So no one knows who's the starting running back. So all of a sudden on Saturday, you bring him up. Hell, he could be the the offense goes out the first snap of the game and carry on Johnson's out. But if you bring him up now, they have all week to watch some of his film. Now they know him because he you know played for the Lions. So it's really, I mean, you could argue some of that stuff's overrated. Hey, John, I heard on the last pod about your gambling and wanted to get in on low risk, high reward. Any information you can share would be fun to hear. Matt from Virginia. Well, a lot of low risk, high reward are not going to hit very often. The reason I made, again, I'll I'll pump my chest a little bit, turned $150 into $5,700 was because I bet on a one individual to win a golf tournament. So you bet on one guy against a field of 120. It's not high odds, right? It's why they give you 60 to one. And then my other bet, the parlay that I think was a $100 parlay that paid $2,600, I had to have all three teams win outright. So anyone in Vegas will tell you, parlays are not a smart bet. So the way I made a lot of money were doing bets that don't usually hit. Like if you want to hit, you usually just got to risk what you're going to win. Right, bet on a game, bet two hundred dollars on a a team to cover the spread. Like that's a pretty basic bet. 
But if you want to win $2,000 that way, you usually got to bet $2,000. So there is not some formula on low-risk, high-reward bets. Most times when they hit, in my experience, every time they've ever hit for me, it's been, you know, I wouldn't say lucky, but a pretty big, it's like a Hail Mary. Most bets I've hit that were normal were like, the only way I won a lot of money on them were you have to put up a lot of money. There's no way really around it. I I don't have a philosophy. I got hot. You know, sometimes, sometimes in gambling, you just get hot and you ride it like a wave. And you try to be like Kelly Slater or Laird Hamilton and you ride the hell out of that barrel. As someone who's never surfed, I have never, ever... I was a snow skier growing up and then I tried to snowboard and I was terrible at it because I didn't skateboard. I didn't like that feeling of having both legs on one board. I would never surf, not because it doesn't look cool and all the surfers are like super ripped and super tan and always have babes on their arm. It's more, I just don't mess with sharks. You know, where where I live, the Pacific Ocean, Great White, it's their home, right? It's their home. I'm just not going out there. And my, my first year at Cal Poly in 03, a teacher was on a swim, buoy to buoy, and it was just like her workout. She just swam, you know, it wasn't too far out in the ocean. And just now sharks, great white sharks don't eat you but they do bite you once. They realize you're not a seal and they swim away. She died because she bled out. I just, I'm not a big uh, Pacific Ocean guy, but I would love to, uh, I've always been jealous. Surfing looks so cool, but, and they always be like, you know, I don't even think about the sharks out here. How do you not think about the sharks out there? It's like, it's like their home, you know? It's like, what are we talking about here? That's that's where they are. You know, I I couldn't do it, but uh, have a great week. No more shark talks, not shark week. It's football. It's football season. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys Monday exclusively on the three and out pod. So you got to subscribe. We do a podcast now every Monday. So if you're listening on Collins feet every Monday, three and out pod exclusively on the three and out feet with me, John Middlecoff, go subscribe, leave a review. Greatly appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Adios. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.